And on one hand, like you, in, like your 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 rational self thinks that yeah, I've never gave you know an SLA for, for my open source users, which is hundred percent true. Which is hundred percent true. And then on the other hand, you go like yeah, but that's not how I would like to be treated myself. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't scale. You know, you're you're only one person, and if if I was to give the kind of like prompt in depth thoughtful response for every communication that comes my way, you know, on all of the projects that I'm involved with, you know, like in the ideal, at the ideal level, maybe that would take like my entire weekend or, you know, that I, I would, or that wouldn't even be like enough hours in a day or something like that, right? If, if you're running like a one-man show project like that or something. Mm-hmm. Like, so you, you, you have to weigh those things, right? So yeah, some things are just not scalable in that sense. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. Welcome back, friends. This is the Changelog podcast featuring the hackers, the leaders, and the innovators in the world of software. I'm Adam Stachowiak, Editor-in-Chief here at Changelog. Today, we welcome Hisham Mohammed into our maintainer spotlight. This is a special flavor of the Changelog where we focus on maintainers and their journey. And Hisham is the creator of HTOP, a well-known cross-platform interactive process viewer. And today's conversation with Hisham covers the gamut of being an open source software maintainer. To set the stage, a new version of HTOP was announced but not by Hisham. It was a kind takeover of his project, and needless to say, Hisham was surprised, but ultimately relieved. Why? Well, that's what this episode is all about. Special thanks to Tyler for partnering with us to co-produce this flavor of the change law. We call it Maintainer Spotlight. Check them out at tylift.com. All right, let's do this. Sean, first of all, thanks for coming on Maintainer Spotlight. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I guess I should start by saying thanks for HTOP. I've been using HTOP for years. And uh, I even have a long-standing bash alias that says, if HTOP is on this machine, alias top to HTOP, because it aims to be a better top. And it, it certainly is, in my in my opinion. So I use it whenever possible. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's appreciated. Yeah, I, I have that alias as well. <laughs> I think a lot of us do. So we're here to talk about not just HTOP. You have lots of things going on. Gobo Linux. You have other projects that you're interested in. Things uh, still not announced quite yet, but coming soon. And HTOP just hit 3.0. And this was a, a big release. Maybe not so much because of what was in the release. Although there are features in there. There are a lot of updates, a lot of bug fixes in there. But really how 3.0 came together because... This was long time kind of unmaintained by you. Do you want to tell the story of your recent HTOP history and what happened? Uh, yeah, sure. I can, I can go through that story. Well, uh, yeah, HTOP 3.0, like after maintaining HTOP for over 15 years, HTOP 3.0 was uh, a surprise to me. Uh, I literally woke up once Saturday morning and I had a Twitter notification that uh, someone like at, you know, tagged me in a news uh, post about the release of H.3.0. 
and that which said uh, HTOP 3.0 released, uh, the project has been taken over by a group of maintainers after prolonged inactivity from uh, Hisham, from myself, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, and... Well, I jumped out of the bed <laughs> to, to check. <laughs> this was a pleasant surprise. This was not like, oh no, someone hacked my machine. No, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I jumped out of bed and I, okay, I need to, uh, like, and I, I just straight ran into to write a, a, a reply on GitHub because there, there was a, an open GitHub issue that, like, title, is this project still maintained? And... I wrote a response there, and I started the response with, uh, I don't have it open here to, like, to get it like, uh, literally, but like, I pretty much started it with, first of all, I'm very happy to see this, because I'm, I'm sure that everyone who saw this news and who knew me as the maintainer would have like, questions like, what happened? And uh, so I ended up writing this long post on which I explained what went on. And uh, yeah, so in that post, I, I say a lot of things, and one of them was that my first reaction when I saw that tweet was to be honest, one of relief, and uh, uh, so essentially, like at, at this moment, I'm like retiring from uh, HDOB maintainership. Mm -hmm. And well, I saw all of the the whole thread that was going in in that GitHub issue about asking if the project was maintained. People were going like, "I wonder if he's okay." Like everything was like super respectful and friendly. And uh, someone said, "Well, his GitHub activity continues to be green," you know, like and. You know the tiles with your early right. activity, and uh, so, right? But I wasn't answering the emails and all of that. So, um, so yeah. So what what happened there was really that at one point HTOP has a like a long history, and as time went on, the the project like the project really started from as a way from each like to like in a typical like free open source software, like scratch your own itch, you know, take something that you're annoyed by and try to fix it. So I started the project like many years ago, like, and at one point I considered it pretty much like done, like for my own use, right? And, uh, and then it was like maintenance that went on and I, I started to take longer and longer breaks from the project, right? And then sometimes it would take like six months and then I would look back at it, you know, merge a couple of PRs and you know, of fix something here and there and make another release. It was always like for a long time, it was kind of a low key maintenance thing, like for, for years on, because like if you have used HTOP for a long time, you, like you've noticed like it pretty much looked the same for a long time and it has become right. this sort of like reliable, dependable thing that's kind of like, you know, there and works the way I want it to work. So at one point I started looking at like, you know, like CP, you know, some other things like you don't expect the copy command to like change a lot overnight or something like that. So yeah, mm -hmm. so it felt pretty much done to me. And those breaks kept getting longer and longer. And yeah, eventually I, I, at one point, like I had a, a, an email filter that just sent everything that mentioned HTOP to an email folder, which I would like occasionally, maybe like twice a year, look at it and, and do like batch maintenance. Mm. But as, as you said, like I'm like so involved in so many things. And I, I, and I think we're going to touch on the point of like burnout, you know, more deeply later because it's, yeah. it's an interesting topic. But at one point I realized that I hadn't looked at the project for a whole year and I felt like a sort of sigh of relief, like, oh, that was refreshing, right? That's, that's, I, I, I wrote it down there in that, that post mentioning this. So yeah, and then, and then I realized, I started actually thinking about like handing over the project, but like I have never done that before for an open source project. Like how do you like to find someone to pass it on? And like, and like if you find it to be like sort of a burden to you, like do you want to instill that burden on 
others and like you feel that mixed feelings about like your responsibility to the project but then like along that mix of emotions like months flew by again and I did nothing right <laughs> and uh, yeah and when I realized I think I guess it was like a year and a half and like yeah and then I'm just gonna like fast forward to that day when the when the announcement came so yeah so basically I told this whole story there and like to show like my side of what's going on what, what, what was happening and well Reaction has been like overall positive from all sides, right? The, the new maintainers, I got in touch with them and uh, like I apologized to them for like having to have that one side decision of forking the project, which I understand is like not the ideal way of doing things. And I said like, okay, all's well when it ends well. Yeah, and at the same time, I, I, like, I made myself available for any like of the transition matters. You know, my, my old website now redirects to the new one which has a much cooler domain, by the way, htop.dev. Cool domain, yeah. Yeah, and that's what happened, basically. Mm. And now it's, it's, I'm very happy that it's, like, it's an actual group of maintainers. It's a collective now. Like, I, I think the project is in very good hands. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy from how it turned out. To some people, it might have been a, my reaction might have been a surprise. But uh, yeah, but I think, as I said, like, I think this is like free open source software working as intended. You know, and, and it has been like overall positive from all sides. Well, you got that email filter there that filters out HTOP and uh, coming back to it every once in a while is, is one thing because you need those natural breaks. I mean, if you don't, I suppose, think something needs to be advanced or in your in your expression of it, you mentioned how it was sort of done to you. But you mentioned there's a couple other people that try to reach out to you about changes to it. And maybe that's sort of the fee- feedback loop being broken, so to speak, of, of a maintainer or creator of a project not really hearing the community. And that's kind of what happened, right? It was like that you'd filter the emails and people were trying to reach out to you to sort of collaborate. I suppose in this new GitHub fashion, new GitHub meaning like the last 10 years of GitHub or more of how it's become more and more collaborative, but they tried to reach out and you just were in and out of the project as you saw fit. Like, cause that's just how it worked for you. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And I, I see different projects in like in very different ways. Like uh, for in open source, uh, like everything always like falls under that same umbrella of, you know, based on the licenses and all of that. Yeah. But the nature of, of, of projects is very different because for me, HTOP was always like this, you know, kind of like one person hobby project that was never a developer team and all or, or any of that. And um, I am part of other projects with our, which are more collaborative and you feel that mm-hmm. sense of, you know, uh, responsibility and communicating and all of that. But uh, but for HTOP, like back from the start, that was like 2004. It was a very different world back then. Like you, you're talking about like GitHub in the last 10 years. But this this yeah. was this was started back in the days of SourceForge. Yeah. Those of us who are old enough to remember, and the the dynamics were very different, right? It, mm-hmm. it would have like a mailing list or something like that, and. You know, like, and many of the licenses in free software, they like, they come with the whole thing. Like, this is offered as is with no warranty, you know, in capital letters. And again, like, there sometimes projects have this, like, implied notion that, you know, you're responsible to actually be available and, you know, whenever someone reaches out to you or something like that. But in, in that sense, you know, that no warranty comes with that as well, right? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. people will just, you know, Here's like here's something I did. Here's the code. Well, if it's useful for you, right? Feel free to use it. But you know, I'm 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 not really on the hook for like, 
you know, answering the emails like in a timely fashion or, or any of that. Of course, I try to be like, I, I like it when I reach out to other free software maintainers and, you know, and, and, and they're responsive to me. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I like, as I said, like as at the same time, you know, cause like I have another project where I'm the, the, the maintainer of the Lua language package manager, Lua rocks, you know, and that has, you know, that has an ecosystem around it of, you know, right. other developers who, uh, you know, develop, develop Lua modules and put it on the repository so that, you know, that is a very much a live project that needs, you know, you know, that, that tending to, right, you know, that, that housekeeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas HTOP was this kind of hobby weekend thing where, you know, sometimes I would hack on it for a while and sometimes not. And I treated those very differently. And I guess at one point I, I started that, you know, email filtering thing as sort of an organizing thing. Like, oh, I can't look into this right now, but I don't want it to slip away, you know, in, on, in the inbox right. mess. I'm just set everything HTOP aside so that next time I look at HTOP, you know, in my next round of, you know, yeah. playing with the project, Absolutely. I will get to this. Right. Well, it makes jumping back into things a little easier if you've got sort of a collective, but you don't want to be distracted because it doesn't require daily maintenance or even monthly maintenance. It's more like in the meantime, when I want to look at it, this is where I go and it's easy. So you will procrastinate less. And maybe, you know, there's a lot of uh, psychological things you could do to yourself to sort of be productive with what matters most today. This kind of reminds me, Jared, though, of something that Nadia said recently when we talked to her, which was like not really a one to one, but more like if it's public, it doesn't mean that it's participatory. And so not right. so much that HTOP wasn't open source and available for others to participate, but more like, as you had said, Sean, is like, it's more like it's a one person project. It doesn't need a lot of people involved in it. It's not active. Like maybe little rocks might be. So, you know, just, you weren't really sort of paying attention to the fact that others might want to share their opinions and interact and progress the project as natural open source kind of is today. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and because and, in fact, there were many releases, like past releases of HTOP, which were ma- mostly based on me merging con- community contributions. And, you know, and then, then I figured that, okay, like I'm, now I'm going to do a round of maintenance on this in which I'm going to look at all of the PRs, which take time. Sometimes, you know, sometimes assessing the validity of a PR like actually takes longer than it takes to write it. Right, because you want to. Right. Some people would just like send send you like a change. Of, okay, I tried something out. You know, kind of works for me. And then I had to look at it. Like, will it work for everybody? Right. Or will this crash any other corner cases and 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 things like that? Like, insist. What about the systems that I can't test myself? Like, ever since, ever since they stopped became portable and and wasn't a Linux only thing, right? You know, like that increased because. You know, someone might come out of the blue and send you like a huge patch with support for a new operating system, which, you know, you have no way to test. Uh, This this has happened. Like I've I've gotten like a huge patch with, which was like very intrusive with many like considerable changes for adding for IBM AIX support, right? Which like, I don't even... Did you merge that? I don't don't even know what's the status of AIX is nowadays, right? It's kind of a legacy Unix by now, which, like... And I looked at it, like, it was this huge patch. I was like, I have no way to test it and probably no way to maintain it myself. Like, okay, like, what if anything goes wrong and someone complains that something's not working or if this breaks something else? So at that point, you know, it's like, for that one patch, I just let it slide and say, like, okay, like, if, if folks, like want to run it on AIX, like I guess you guys can maintain your own fork with it, you know, and then essentially do the maintenance of that. Like for, for, on the other hand, like the Solaris one, I did merge in, right? Because there's the whole open Solaris and like that's, 
like Illumos and the subsequent systems systems that that you know do a, a follow on that tradition and that so, okay that mm-hmm. that will have like a more of a living open source community around it you know and I might be able to ping more people to help me out on that one so yeah so so e- even that baseline maintenance work you know that you do in batches you know it's like sometimes it is significant and can can be significant but yes of course there were lots of people who had reached out to me over time and like it's amazing getting those patches and at one point I joked around to say like yeah the software is writing itself because like I'm, <laughs> all I'm doing is it's, it's clicking the merge button like there there were H top releases you know like even as far as like 10 years ago which had like you know not even like not a lot of code from myself right which I like lines of code which are written myself like it was mostly merging patches for stable projects you know that that sort of becomes the norm over time mm-hmm what I found interesting about this thread, it probably wasn't interesting to the people involved, might have been frustrating to them, but interesting to me was how they were kind of becoming, you know, HTOP archaeologists, like what's going on with this project? Because the the initial is this maintained issue was open all the way back in March. Here we are in September, I think you replied a couple of weeks ago. So, it, you know, the, the story began in March on this thread, ended at the end of August, and in the meantime, like you said, you were doing other work. You have your Lua Rocks, you have Gobo Linux, you have, uh, I think some of your your work is also open source or public on GitHub. So like you said, the GitHub contributions were happening. Uh, maybe you're posting to your blog. I don't know if you were tweeting or whatever. And in the meantime, because you had that email filter set up, like you weren't seeing any of this activity. And, and it's fun to read. They're like, well, it looks like the guy's alive and doing well. He's just not replying here. So, you know, they're starting to figure out like, okay, what's going on here? And eventually people stepped up, which like you said, this seems like a very much an open source success story because you've had this desire to hand it off over the years. It's kind of done to you. It does what you want it to do. Maintenance is a burden, but one that you're willing to, you know, do every once in a while for a while. But if you could have had a reliable person or people maybe five years ago, maybe three years ago, whenever it was, you probably would have handed it off then. And uh, by a matter of circumstance here, you just kind of ignored it, you know, filtered it to a place you weren't looking and people just popped up out of nowhere and said, hey, I can maintain this. And that's it's somewhat rare. It happens, but it doesn't happen all that often. And there were a lot of people who just stepped up and took over. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's funny to think about it because, yes, I was, you know, I was working at GitHub. I was tweeting. It was, you know, just like life was going on as normal. Like as, the way you described it, you know, I was thinking in the back of my head, like, it's so funny. Like, cause it's, it's kind of a... a an observation of the state of technology and the way we communicate nowadays and all of that. Because, like, if it wasn't the 90s, someone would have called me on the phone, I guess, <laughs> right. about this, you know? And I think what happened specifically in my case, like, it also had a lot to do with the, the burnout angle of things. Because one of the things that I mentioned in, in that message that I posted that Saturday morning was that at one point in time, I, I had a conversation where I was talking about burnout and, and open source maintenance, and, and in which I said, well, if a project is like, in, in, like unmaintained and like important enough, you know, then it will be eventually forked, you know, if people actually need, like if, if there's right. a concrete need for the fixes to, you know, to get in and, and for things to move on, you know, they, they will. And I wrote that and then I, I, after, after writing that, after posting it, like I, I recalled what was the context in which I, I, I actually said that. And uh, it was actually at one of the Google Summer of Code Mentor Summit uh, sessions. 
for which like I, yeah. I have been like a, a, for, for, for a number of years uh, a mentor at, at that event, like mentoring uh, students on, on open source uh, for uh, the Lorox project. And we've, we had that session where it was all like a room full of open source maintainers and we were all talking about burnout and, and people were talking about like, you know, that feeling of responsibility that they had for uh, uh, their projects and, and how they felt that they could never take time off and, and all of that, you know, and, and, and how pressured they felt about that and how that was one of the things leading to, to burnout. And at that point, I mentioned like, oh, said, I, I'm actually, I'm here for Lorox, but I also maintain HTOP and I kind of take regular breaks from that project, you know, and, and people like stared at me, you know, with, you know, white eyes and, and go like, what? Like, you don't look at it like every single day. And like, you know, if, mm. what if someone, you know, you know, has something like, I go like, well, if, if something is critical, I'll probably get to know it like sooner or later. And if, and which, which did happen at one point, like there, there was this, there was this crazy bug hit, hitting uh, Apple, like Mac systems, in which there was a kernel bug in Mac OS, which HTOP, by trying to read the state of threads, it was like consuming some resource from the kernel. And like, mm -hmm. it, it turns out that like opening HTOP managed to crash the Mac OS kernel. Wow. Uh, so like that was actually congratulations. Yeah. So like that, that, that <laughs> quite a feat. Yeah. Like at first I looked at it and I was like, well, that's Apple's problem. They should fix their kernel. Right. Right. But that was like the most commented thread on the history of the project with like more than like, you know, I don't know where like 200 messages and something like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put a mitigation for this, you know, until like Apple, you know, gets its acts, its acts together. And uh, yeah, so 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 uh, so I did that. Like so, so I kept that in mind. I thought like, okay, if something gets critical to that point, I will know about it. Like even between my breaks, and uh, I guess this HTOP 3.0 was kind of a, a similar event. But um, but otherwise, I said like you know like we, we we can't let ourselves like it can get super overwhelming, you know. And and I understand that like as HTOP is important for me and for like lots of people and I uh, like I'm as I said like the fact that it was forked meant that it was really like important for someone like important enough for people to put in that effort and I feel super flattered you know and and I, I feel like it's one of like you know probably like one of the things like in my professional career like as a software developer that I like most proud of like having yeah. having you know written this project and having see it become like a, an open source uh, success in that sense. Uh, like as important that software is, you know, like people's like mental health and all of that, you know, it's it's more important than that, right? So like, totally. when, so when I when I was in that session and I was talking to other open source developers, which, you know, they felt like super pressured, you know, and super unhappy with that situation and not knowing what to do. Like I told them, you know, what I told them that day was like, hey, take breaks and you know if if you need and you know and if something happens, like things will you know eventually sort out by themselves because. You know, the software, it's out there, it's in the open, you know, it's kind of like, that's something that we can do, you know, in open source. You know, if, if, if the project was, you know, proprietary, even if it had like a huge user-based community that would like, and I decided to disappear, there would be nothing that could be done, mm -hmm. right? People would have to, I don't know, like try to write it again from scratch or something like that, right? But then right. It, it, it would not have been an option, you know, open source does give you that option, so maintainers... You know, should keep that in mind, like that, that, you know, that they should take breaks if they need. Right. 
it might also be in a sweet spot inside in scope. I didn't look at the lines of code and all that and how how complex of a project HTOP is. Conceptually, at least, it seems like the kind of thing where if you're going to hop in and maintain, right, if you have pull requests, you have bug fixes, you have like minor things, is it the kind of project where you could grok it after a little while and kind of start to dink around and, or is it is it massively complex? Because sometimes sometimes a, a piece of software has the value. Like you said, if it's valuable, somebody will fork it, somebody will maintain it. Sometimes the people that are relying on it don't have the skills and they're not going to have the time or the, the money to acquire the skills. They would love to maintain it if they could, but they can't. In this case, it seems like there's, there's some people who are willing to and able to maintain HTOP. Yeah, that's a great question. And yes, that does factor in. And yeah, I think like for HTOP's case, well, everyone likes to believe that they write clean code, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I always felt that the code base was approachable, uh, given that, you know, the number of PRs I got over the years and that, you know, that, yeah. that people would add features and send in stuff, right? So so I, I was never like too worried on that regard. Like I've ha I have seen projects that went and maintained, which ended up in this situation that you described, in which people say like, oh my God, like this is super important, but the code base is like inexcrutable, you know, because either because it's right. not, not because it's badly written, but because it's like ultra complex and things like that. In the case of HTOP, I don't think it to be like uh, super complicated. And um, I, I, I actually like, I was complimented by the new maintainers. I say like, okay, thanks for maintaining. <laughs> like in one of, one of our like out of band like emails uh, after the, the 3.0 release, they say like, okay, oh, thanks for having like, it's, it's, it's been like, fun to, to work on the code base. And I was like, okay, glad, glad you like it and <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> it's always nice. As I said, like it's, it's, it's a matter of like how, how needed the maintenance is to people and what are the stakes, right? Because at the same right. time, when I look at the new maintainers, you know, like some of the emails were like at redhead.com, at debian.org, you know, like they, they were coming from like established organizations like established names in the open source world you know that that feels reassuring and it feels like okay like these folks will have like you know uh, will have the time to and and the, the resources to keep maintaining it you know so so that feels good like that as, as I said like as you said like, even for complex projects that reminded me of the the, the open SSL situation after Heartbleed, you know and people mm -hmm. were like okay everyone's using this and you know, large companies, you know, at one point, like they stepped, stepped in. Stepped up. Yeah. So, yeah. To, so I, I, I guess it's, it's a matter of that. Right? So. Well, uh, I guess a shout out is due to a few folks. Nathan Scott is one of the people who stepped up and kickstarted the fork. There's a, an account called Faster IT out of Germany, another GitHub account who seems like they were involved in the, the takeover. Anybody else? The, the cool thing is because HTOP is so prevalent and been around for so long is that it's in all the repos, right? Like you can apt get it, you can yum install it. And I did see people from Debian hopping into that thread saying, yeah, if you guys want to maintain this, because one of the problems is if you hadn't showed up, like taking over maintenance would have been much more difficult, I imagine, because it's not just the source code, it's the distribution. And I'm sure that you have some sort of interaction with the distributors. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. And let's give a shout out to Nathan Scott and also to Graham Ings and uh, Daniel Lang or Daniel Lange. I don't know uh, where in the world he's from. So uh, uh, whether I should like pronounce that in an <laughs> English or German way. And yes, I did. Uh, I, I got in touch with uh, maintainers of a few uh, distros 
to confirm, yes, like moving on for the next releases, you know, you know, get the upstream from here, you know, like hstop.dev is the new upstream. This is, um, and um, yeah, and I made the point like that, that very morning, I made a point of, of redirecting the website to the new one so that the URL pointed to, so that would be like a, a clear indication that, uh, and also now the, under my personal GitHub account, the, the, the repo is now archived and uh, the readme points to the new one uh, because that, you know, that, that how like, we didn't transfer over the repo because um, the new one had already been kickstarted and already had like new issues, new PRs, and we didn't want to overwrite any of the new activity. And at the same time, I think it's good to like give the new maintainers like a clean slate where they can, you know, like, so, and, and as I said, like same, same again, it's like, oh, if any of the old PRs is like super important, you know, they will be ported over. So like they, mm -hmm. they, they got in touch and, you know, and then and to like left comments in the old PRs and, and telling people to like, hey, like consider reopening there in the new repo if you still want this merge and all of that. I understand that it's important that I got involved and I think it, like it, it does help a lot. And as I said, like if, if something like this happened, and which I, I never actually foreseen this to happen, but if something of this kind would have happened, like, you know, eventually <laughs> I would expect to get involved and uh, yeah. up friends i want to share with you a few details about the title subscription it is a managed open source subscription backed by project maintainers and as you may know this series maintainer spotlight is produced in partnership with tylift because we love what they're doing and we believe in them so if you're building applications with open source tylift helps you to ensure that you have components that just work including comprehensive security updates active maintenance and accurate licensing which is so helpful Tylift helps you to speed up application development, save money, and reduce risk when building apps using open source. And best of all, with the Tylift subscription, you help open source maintainers that we feature on this show to get paid for their work. Learn more and get a demo at tylift.com. Again, tylift.com. seem to have a pretty healthy relationship with your open source projects. The ability to step away, I think, is a skill or maybe a personality trait, which you have. I'm curious on the other end, when you hand off something which you've maintained for very long, which you created, right? Like this was your your brainchild. This was your baby for all these years and you've given it to a bunch of strangers. Does that concern you? Like what if they destroy HTOP and it sucks after this? Or like, is there any sort of those feelings of like maybe it's going to not be maintained the way that I would want to, or as well as I would do it. Any of that? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question, and probably something that you know a long time ago, like a younger version of me, might have worried about, right? But mm. I think over time, you know, you rethink things. Well, the older versions, like they will always be there, right? You know, if 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 that's right. my open source legacy, and you want to, people With want your to, name on the commit message. Yeah, if right? people want to check out, you know, what was it like when I was involved? You know, <laughs> it, it will always be there. Right. True. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, like I'm happier to see it live on, right? In in, in that sense, right? Because yeah. I think I, it, I think that's that's the ultimate success of an open source project, you know, uh, outlives its original maintainers and uh, you know and, and and carries on. 
So, mm -hmm. so in that sense, I think like the way I look at it nowadays, like I, th I think that's like the ultimate success, right? To be able to, to, to reach that point. And mm -hmm. uh, like I have other projects which I would love to uh, uh, retire from, but which I don't know if there are, if there would be new maintainers. Actually, I'm like, I'm actively thinking about this now. Like, should I, you know, now that I've seen this mm -hmm. happen once, should I be proactive on this? It can happen. Right? Yeah. It, yeah, it can happen. Should I be proactive and say like, okay, we're looking for new maintainers? And, um, and as I said... So what do you got? What, what projects are you looking for new maintainers? We happen to have a podcast with software developers who listen to it. So are <laughs> you looking right. for maintainers? I mean, put up a sign. Uh, yeah, like as of now, like Lorox itself, like it's a project that I'm, I'm sort of overwhelmed by nowadays because I've been like lead maintaining it for a long, long time. That project started in 2006, I guess. It's a long time. Is there a team around you for that one? Yeah, so around Lower Rocks, there are other maintainers, but it's very much on like, a, like whenever I'm available basis as well. They're not like regular maintainers. Mm. And I keep Lower Rocks going as part of my, my work as well. So this is something that I am involved with because we use it at work. But I would love to see someone step up and, and take the lead in, in the project. So I could still be involved, you know, but not in a leading position. And I'm trying to figure out how to do it, you know, because sometimes like the, in projects, you know, inertia is very strong. Like people will not, mm -hmm. you know, people will, will not say like, hey, I would like to lead, you know, if, if, if there is someone else leading, you know, and, and, and all those kinds of things. And regarding my personal relationship with my projects, like I, I, I've realized that, well, Gobo Linux, which is this super experimental alternative Linux distro, that's I started back in college, you know, with you know with, with my college friends, and which I use it to this day. You know, my my system, like if you look at my uh, laptop, it's this like super hacky, running like all sorts of experimental stuff, like including like the distro, like this. It's super hacky, including this distro that we maintain our own on like with a very small group of people, and that 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 kind of project is one that we also maintain like in this like. Every couple of years, you know, we get together and we cook up a new version. Like it's it's not for general use, <laughs> like at all. When we look at it, like I had this bunch of projects which I started like in the early two thousands and which I have been maintaining for a long time. And mm. at one point in time, I was like, yeah, now mostly of what I do now is maintenance, and I haven't started a new project in a long time, right? And I started to feel this itch of like starting new projects and like having more freedom to be creative again, right? Like, cause, yeah. and as life goes by, there's work and there's like, you have a lot less time to do that. And like the few time that I had for open source projects, I wanted to spend in more creative ways. So, so that, that, that had to do with me, like stepping away from, from HTOP for so long, because that's the time that I had to like to try new things and all of that. Well, if you want to find a new maintainer for Lua Rocks, what you do is you create a folder in your email and you send all your Lua Rocks stuff to that. <laughs> then you ignore it for six months, and then boom, someone's gonna pop up. There you go. Yeah. So, Recipe. so there it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> as, that's the formula. We found it. Yeah. As 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 funny as that sounds, uh, that comes to what I was saying earlier about the different nature of open source projects, right? Because Lua Rocks has has this like live server, LuaRocks.org, with people right. like, uploading things, downloading things. It's like, a different beast. Exactly. Like you know that you know the 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 cert like I I maintain the the CLI tool, the server component has a different uh, maintainer. Uh, yeah, shout out to Leaf uh, who maintains the, the, the 
lorax.org server. So mm. that project has a community around it and it has that different you know, maintenance style as a necessity, right? Mm. So for that one, I could never do that, you know, and, and nothing of that sort ever happened with Lorox because you know, things, right. fall, things go into my inbox and I do check it out and, and have a different maintenance style for, for that project. You know, the, the, depending mm -hmm. on the nature of what you do, like some different maintenance styles come with it, right? So for Lorox, it was kind of different and assume it will be somewhat more uh, difficult. But, but then again, you know, like, you know, there's like bus factor and all of that, right? If I, if I disappeared for real tomorrow, right? I'm, I'm, I'm sure eventually things would be like sorted out because Lorox is, is, is used quite a lot by the Lua community, right? Mm -hmm. So now I think it's, now seeing what happened with HDOP, I think like, okay, it's possible to do this. You know, I just have to now figure out the way to, you know, to adapt to a new role. Yeah. You mentioned relief in particular, though, right? In your right. response, and even at the start of the show, you mentioned that your response, you know, while you got this notification of 3.0 for HTOP, you know, via Twitter. So this not normal way to be told about changes to your project. You weren't pissed off. You weren't upset. You were not at relieved. All. Happy. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, maybe juxtaposition is like with Lua Rocks, if you got... A Twitter notification tomorrow there was a new lead maintainer of the CLI tool for Lua Rocks. Would you be relieved or would you be upset? No, I would be happy for that. As I said, like I, I would consider that to be a um, you know a mark of success for the project. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and in the end, you know, we have to keep in mind like like there's in open source, you know, there's people throw around you know that word community a lot as this kind of like random concept, but in the end, it's really people. It's really about people. And, you know, recently in the Lua community, like I, I had a, like a, well, someone who I consider a friend, even though I never met him personally, uh, who passed away, like suddenly. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we had to, some of my projects I had handed over to him, like in the past, so like, like I, mm -hmm. I had made like the, like the, the coverage analysis tool for, for, for Lua you know, like Luakov, like, and, and he had been maintaining it for a few years after I had, you know, started the project and maintained it myself for a few years. And so, well, there was this whole commotion in the community, like with his passing and, and we had to like to scramble, okay, what happens with his projects now? Like I, I, I sort of like inherited back, you know, the ones that I had passed to him and like took it on myself, like as a, as a personal matter, you know, to figure out what to do with those projects uh, moving on. And then some of the other projects, the community got together, you know, to, to get necessary patches merged and new releases out and, and all of that, right? And, and it's, it's a pretty strong wake-up call, you know, like that's like to, to you about like, you know, like what does really matter here, right? It's, it's really a community of people, right? Who care about each other and who care about like, who, who got to know each other through the work that they do Right, but but in the end, right, when you build a community of people, right, you you, you have to keep that in mind, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to me, like, it, whenever like, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, Lua workshop was supposed to be held in Germany this year. It was canceled, and I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Lua workshop uh, was in Lithuania, and like, a bunch of us flew over to Lithuania, like from Brazil, from France, from the U.S., from the Netherlands, you know, from all over, and like. At one point, I said, like, yeah, like, 
I come to this workshop, you know, because of you folks, you know, like to meet the people who like who have become my friends over this year, over the years, you know, like not so much about like Lua itself or, you know, the, the mm -hmm. talks or like we go there and we give talks to each other, like to like to, to our own. We present the talks and uh, like there there's always new people, right, who who are, you know, getting into the community and, and getting to like know folks and. So yeah, like this is super important, and, and in the end, like it's it's a huge part of you know why I do open source nowadays, why I keep doing it. Yeah. You know, well, you seem to have a deep connection to other people, and going back to the relief, you know, the relief was was from what though? Yeah, because you kind of have that sense of lingering guilt when you're not responsive, right? Right. If you take the time to like, you know, it's so you you would have to balance. Okay, now I'm taking this break for myself, but okay, but what if I was in, you know, in, in, on the other side and I had this, you know, this bug that was I was was hitting me every day, you know, at one point I, I get so, you know, annoyed that I decide to, you know, to hack on it and, you know, fix it, you know, then I fix it, then I open a PR and I send it over and say like, okay, please get into the next version, right? And I go months without an answer, right? Like, yeah. I've been on that side of a relationship before with a project a couple of times. Yeah. Not where it's so like I can live off of my own fork or I can just, you know, depend on that and I'm okay. Like it's not like a huge, my life is ruined or my business is ruined scenario. But like you said, you take the time, you're usually somewhat angry because it's not working the way it, you need it to. And you have, there's ramp up time, right? Like figure out how do I contribute to this thing? Where, you know, where do I even put this in? Am I going to break it? There's all the questions like, how do I talk nicely? And you do all, all the work. And it can take hours and submit a patch. And then it just never goes anywhere. You know, I, I've been on that side. And maybe you have as well. As a member of the open source world, you kind of go on both sides. Sometimes you're the maintainer. Sometimes you're the the submitter. And I wouldn't say it like hurts, but it definitely weighs, you know, it sucks when that happens. And so I could see from your perspective, the guilt of saying, like, knowing, like, well, I got all these PRs out there, I got these open issues, and I can't look at them because I'm living my life and all the reasons that we've stated, but they're still there, and those are real people on the other end of those PRs. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it comes from acknowledging that it's real people, like, as you said, like, on, on, on both sides. And then, yeah, and on one hand, like, you, and, like your, your, your rational self thinks that, yeah, I've never gave, you know, an SLA for my open source users. Which is 100% true. Which is 100% true. And then on the other hand, you go like, yeah, but that's not how I would like to be treated myself. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't scale. You know, you're, you're only one person. And if, if I was to give the kind of like prompt, in-depth, thoughtful response for every communication that comes my way, you know, on all of the projects that I'm involved with, you know, like in the ideal at the ideal level, maybe that would take like my entire weekend or, you know, that I, I would, or that wouldn't even be like enough hours in a day or something like that. Right. If, if you're running like a one man show project like that or something. Mm -hmm. like, so you, you, you have to weigh those things. Right. So yeah, some things are just not scalable in that sense. Well, you feel guilty, right. For not responding or not showing up, but then you're sort of trapped, so to speak, because there is no playbook that I'm aware of at least, and if there is one, let's put it in the show notes or highlight it more, of how to be a one-person-ish maintainer, maybe take contributions, as you mentioned, have you been doing before, like the code writing writing itself, so to speak, as you'd mentioned, 
But how do you care about something like this, be the creator and maintainer of it for so long, but then be able to hand it off in a way that lets it have life, doesn't ruin it, as Jared mentioned before. And there's just no, it's kind of icky, right? Like there is no easy button for it. So you just never do it, right? You just sort of procrastinate. You kick the can down the road a little bit further because there's no. Yeah, because you don't know how. Yeah, there's, there's, it's not easy to do. There's no right or wrong way. There's mean, no playbook for saying, hey, Obviously right this is how you begin to hand off a project. No, yeah, 100% agree. And, and even if you're not wanting to hand it off and you, are, or you just wanted to keep going, but add in a maintenance style, you know, that, that makes it sustainable. And one, one thing to keep in mind is that like, there are a lot, a lot, a lot more open source projects, which are like one person shows like this. And, and mm-hmm. like, then because when we think of open source, you can think of like the huge projects, I don't know, like GCC, the Linux kernel and all of that. And when people go like, how do I contribute to open source? Yeah, you start, you know, with a tiny patch to, you know, to some project, you know, and, and, it's, and people usually point folks to like huge projects and all that. But, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, like, I don't know, like the GitHub archive, you know, and things like that, like there are so many, so many projects, you know, like which are, you know, most of the repos are, are like one one person only and even some of the, like many of the ones that are used a lot like i see a lot of that in the Lua community because of the lorax repo right it's it's a lot of modules right. or if you look at like something like you know a lot of times many times bigger like npm you know like how many of those packages are maintained by a single person and uh yeah and there, there is no playbook on, on how to deal with that and uh, i think what we're doing here in this you know in this conversation helps right because uh, even you know, like, because yeah. I think one p- part of it is for people on both sides of the table to understand, like, the social contract, you know, that's established yeah. between, you know, maintainers and users. And, uh, like, especially for things like developer tools and things like that, we have this additional uh, angle in which, you know, offered the user of, you know, is also a maintainer of something else, you know, like, and, and so, uh, but in, in many cases, you know, for, for many types of software, that's not the case. And uh, so, yeah, like I think like step one is like an understanding on of what goes on on both sides and uh, in sharing experiences, you know, like, okay, this is what happened for this project. These were the circumstances. These are the things that went well. These were the things that went not so well. Right. I, I, like I do not consider like this to be like a, you know, like a fully like smooth transition. Right. As you said, like there was this whole like thread that went on from March until now. Right, mm-hmm. which you know that could have been like easily avoided, you know, like and and I, I totally take the responsibility for that. Uh, like we're happy that the outcome was was positive, right? Uh, but yeah, like it's it's important to share those experiences like within the, the the open source community at large. You know that's why I'm happy to be here. You know, give, uh, uh, talking to you guys about this because we we need to you know we need to learn how things happen and like slowly try to you know improve them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the reason for this series, this maintainer spotlight series, is that we can share the stories of maintainers. You right, the wins, the losses, the accidental successes, and all the things because there's so much that goes into it, and because open source is such a broad thing. You know, uh, we're starting to have some formalization uh, via Nadia Ekbal's work with working in public about how to like even talk about the different types of projects, right? Because it's so diverse that you can't just say, well, this is how you hand off a project. 
because there is no, this is how you end up a project, right? Yeah. Uh, it's different every time. Yeah. And sometimes it goes great and sometimes it goes terrible, you know? So yeah, I think sharing, creating community around maintainers, providing more conversations that say, oh, I listened to that, uh, what Hisham did, that actually helped me out in my project because X, Y, or Z. So hopefully we have some of that effect, but you think over time we could maybe aggregate some sort of a knowledge base, so like a starting point, like, hey, I ha I'm burnt out, I need to hand this off, where do I start? You know, maybe we can start to create those kind of resources, but um, it's difficult and lacking at the, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully agree. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Like, I think one good first step is recognizing like the different types of projects, the different types of communities, different types of, you know, maintenance styles. Like, as, as, I, as I said, you know, I've, I've been like engaging in like multiple different maintenance styles at the same time, right? You know, like for HTOP, I was taking this hobbyist, you know, uh, like once in a while approach. For Lorox, you know, Lorox is this also this kind of like old project, which is also kind of in maintenance mode. We're not making any earth shattering changes on it at this time, but it's important uh, enough for uh, a community that we want to keep it working. And if anything breaks, it gets like immediately noticed and it has this like, like the, the whole server side aspect has this, you know, very much like, uh, like online, you know, effect, like it has to be up, right? Uh, so that requires a different maintenance style. Like at the same time, I do open source at work. So when you have like an open source project that's backed by a company, you know, that has a completely mm -hmm. different maintenance style, right? So, um, and sometimes you have projects that it's like, you know, you do it once and, you know, and throw it away and then say like, okay, like, you know, I don't expect to get like any kind of maintenance to it, but I'm going to just put it out there, like in case it's useful for someone. Right. And in, in, in which cases you right. might even mark it on the readme. Right. You know, say like, yeah, it's just here, but it's like, don't use it in production or whatever. Like I see, see lots of projects like that. Right. And uh, so, yeah, like all of these types exist, like, like maybe we should start, you know, like talking more about this, like giving those styles, I don't know, names so that, you know, this is yeah. a project of type X, this is a project of type Y. And then people would immediately understand and not have a stigma of the kind of interactions that they will or will not get from it. You know, and things right. like that. So yeah, I'm 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 all for having those type of conversations and 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 having. Yeah. Yeah. So Nadia Ekbal has come up with a taxonomy that has four types of projects, and it's based on the relationship with user growth to contributor growth. And so your project HTOP would be what she calls a stadium, because you have one or very few maintainers, uh, and the user growth grows dramatically, but the contributor growth stays relatively small. Then there's a, a project like Lua Rocks, which I'm not sure if that would be a club or what was the other two types? I don't know. I'm going blanking. right off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, there's clubs, there's stadiums, foundations play into it. What's, yeah. what's that one called? Anyways, I need to go read the book again. I need to do my studying. But that particular taxonomy, I'm sure our listeners will, are yelling into their, you know, into their AirPods, like, yeah, oh, get it right, is based, it's derivative, right? It's based on observing a project and saying, based on the project's relationship with its users and its contributors, it's X, Y, or Z. Um, but what I think would be also useful, and I mentioned this to her, and she seemed to have uh, some excitement around it, is what if you could explicitly state what you want your project to be? Like, not this is what it is because this is how it worked out, but like, give my, give this project a name. This is a a tool for me or, you know, this is a, a club, like come join my club or this is, uh, 
you know, you, we have to come up with the names, but you could actually like, people are using their readmes to set some expectations, right? Like pull request welcome, or, Hey, you can look at my code, but it's not really participatory. Like people say those kind of things, but I agree with you that if we started getting, giving names to these styles of projects, not what they end up being, but what they want to be upfront, you know, that could be like your step you know, add that to the list of things I do when I open source something Yeah, is I give it a name of what style it is because then you come to their source code and you know immediately what to expect from that particular project. Let me close the loop here because I happen to have a PDF of her book right here. So I just went ahead oh, good. and, yeah, and searched me. it. So to quote the book, it says, focusing on the relationship between contributors and users, we can think of projects in terms of their contributor growth and user growth. And this gives us four production models federations, clubs, toys, and stadiums. Toys. Yeah. yeah. That's the one I couldn't remember. You were, yeah, so the federation is, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, you're pretty close. So it's a start. Yeah. I think it's important too because naming things, something we say on brain science, and a lot of this is why I find this interesting is there are a lot of psychological tie-overs to what we talk about on brain science where we really focus on like what we know about the brain to kind of transform our lives, whether it's habits or working in teams or dealing with burnout or stepping away to get unstuck, all these fun things or the power of our choices in our lives, you know, we got to think about naming things to tame things. And that's what happens here. Like, because Nadia is able to give a taxonomy and uh, an example, naming them helps us all as a collection, a community to tame the idea of what does it mean to be a federation or a club or a toy or a stadium as an example of open source. And so names really give us all something to anchor to. And that's, kind of, you know, a great thing. So just, but it takes somebody to take that first step. And in this case, it was Nadia to give us those, those models and those names to, to anchor to. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Usually what happens is that people realize after the fact, you know, what the project end up turning into, right? Right. And because uh, often when you start, like, you know, whenever they always start, uh, they're always, a one-person show, anyway, right? And sometimes going like, okay, I'm sorry, this that I want is to be a federation can sound like this, like a super lofty goal, and like you don't know if anyone's gonna, you know, uh, pay attention to a project or care about it, or you know, if you're right. gonna be able to build a community. So people might be reluctant on that. There are times like when Kubernetes came out of Google, for example, like yeah. when the Kubernetes thing. Yeah, but then it's coming from like, Google. Yeah. yeah, I know, but again, that that would be a an opportunity for them to state what this project is, right? Yeah. Like current status, essentially. Like we aspire to be a stadium or we aspire <laughs> to be a federation, yeah. but but right now we're a toy. Currently a toy, but yeah. it might become a, yeah. Yeah, you make, you make a good point. You know, not all projects start from a single, like from, from a single person. Like they might start from a company and they might have, you know, they might start with a huge backing, you know, from day one, right? So, right. so it's, it's, it's part of that, right? This, it, it ties into not only on the relationship between uh, uh, users and and maintainers, but also like funding, things like that. Like Lorox had had like this, like this varied history over time. Like the project was actually started back when I was doing my master's and we had this, you know, industry academy, like joint research project for the development of Lua because I was doing my master's over at the University uh, Puk in Rio, which was where the Lua language was, was created. And so for that, we like I had funding to, you know, kickstart the project. Right. So so I, I was not doing it as a hobby, as a part time thing. So I so that was my day job for two years as I was as I was doing that, you know, after, after the 
the research project was gone, there was no more funding, you know, for a few years I kept maintaining it like as on a, like a volunteer kind of like hobbyist basis, right? Uh, but just because of my attachment to the project and all that, and, and that, and we were talking about about that sense of responsibility, like, okay, now this is out in the open, people are relying on it. And uh, every now and then I would actually do a consulting gig that was like coming from like corporate users uh, of it. And now I'm, I'm working at a company which uses it. So I'm again, like, effectively being paid to maintain it right mm -hmm. and so my relationship like like the, the funding story for it has changed over time my relationship with the project has has changed over time like th yeah. these things are very dynamic and so which can be a complicating factor but but yes like name having names for things like i, I remember like you know in the like early days of, of open source when people were talking about like the cathedral and the bazaar you know to compare mm -hmm. different development styles and they would call it you know like oh open source is like this uh and proprietary software is like this you know like the cathedral right. and and, it, and even that is not precise because for example the Lua language itself my advisor who was like my, my master's and phd advisor who was the creator of the language Roberto Jerusalemski like they, like they have at Pocrio a team of like th three professors who single-handedly, you know, develop and maintain the Lua language, like the reference implementation of it, like the language and its implementation. And it's open source, it's MIT licensed, and they've been doing this since the mid-90s. They do it to this day. They take no contributions or patches. Like all of the code yeah. is written by those three people. They have a mailing list, they take like feedback, they, like, they help run the Lua workshops, you know, they're super friendly to the community and all of that, but they say like, no, no thanks, you know, because we're, we're academics, we're, we're, you know, like the result of our work goes in papers and, and they're subject to that whole, I, I don't know, like academic lifestyle, which is like very different from open source community. But, and yeah. then they go like, okay, like, you know, I, I don't know if it's because, you know, they want to, you know, state in the papers that like, this is our original work, you know, because of like academic restrictions or, or, or whatnot, or if it's just the style that they personally prefer. Right, because they, they time and again they say like we'll take ideas like suggestions and then we'll implement it ourselves. But thanks, we don't want any contributions, right? So it, that's like it's a hundred percent a cathedral, but it has been open source like from day one. So it's 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 mm. very, it's whatever yeah. works for you know for the maintainers. Yeah. Well, that makes me think of though is this clear communication and the the need for a good feedback loop, right? So as a maintainer, as a contributor, as a user that feedback loop and the clarity required this. So those three, this example you give for, you know, as an example, their community is probably more cool with, hey, they don't take contributions because they've been pretty clear with the expectation as a user or as a would-be or a desire to be a contributor. So not so much to call you out, but more like if that feedback loop was there for your users to say, hey, I take frequent sabbaticals, don't be offended. You know, the SLA wasn't there, of course, you know, but more so less of pointing that out, but more so to say, like, what I'm, my takeaway is, is a couple of things is clear communication and that feedback loop that we all desire because it helps us, I guess, to reduce our anxiety or our concerns or whatever. And then the other side is like the kindness that's required because, as you'd mentioned, it's software, sure, but it's really a community of people. And what I see that played out with this, you know, this HTOP 3.0 and all that played out was those folks were very kind to you. They didn't think that, you know, Hisham was ignoring them and he's a bad right. person. In, in many ways, they were regarded and concerned to like, I hope it seems like he's okay because of these reasons, as Jared had said earlier. 
You know, and I think that's what we all need to lead with is this this nature of kindness rather than like what could have played out, which is this person's terrible because they just like had this repo or this project that's very useful. They're not responsive right. and they could have like said a bunch of nasty things about you, but they, they led with kindness. And that's my, my takeaway is like is the need for clear communication and lead with kindness. Yeah, for sure. You know, like that's like this was like a super positive experience in which like I feel like I've come out a better person out of it, like from what I've learned. Like, as you said, like in terms of communication and all of that. Yeah. And also to participate in this episode in which like the kindness really went both ways in the sense, as you said, like, you know, they didn't think I was a terrible person. And at the same time, yeah. you know, I didn't think they like, oh, my God, they stole my project or anything right. like that. Right. Yes. Right? So so in so in that sense, you know, the kindness really went both ways. And, and I think it like it. It becomes a multiplier. Like I've never had yeah. so many like heart emojis in a GitHub comment <laughs> yeah. on my life. And I, I probably don't expect to have it again, right? That was like. <laughs> well, on that front, let's give a shout out to uh, A. Fontanet. The person who opened this particular issue back in March is this project maintained? Because a lot of times that very first nudge, that first comment, that first issue sets a, a tone, right? And they start off by saying, I want to emphasize right at the outset that I don't believe project maintainers have any kind of obligation to the community to continue working on a project. I'm very grateful for HTOP and all the work that has put has been put into this thus far. And then they go on to say, is this project maintained? You know, but yeah. like, that's a great way to set a precedent of kindness and respect and empathy before you go ahead and say, yeah. is anybody maintaining this? Instead of just saying like, WTF, why aren't you maintaining this? You know, yeah. they really did set a tone and that tone remained the entire, I mean, I read most of the thread, almost everybody was positive and they were, they were adding to the conversation. Like I said, it became this archeology span where, where's Hisham, you know? <laughs> and then once you hopped in, it, it was kind of a love fest. So really, uh, we see a lot of drama in GitHub issues. This is like the opposite case. This was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt like it. And yeah, it's a great point that you made, like how it is like setting the tone was something that kind of like guided the conversation. And also like that, yeah. and that first person said that, you know, like, oh, I, I don't recall the exact words. I don't have it open like in front of me, but it says like, I'm, I'm not volunteering to become the maintainer or something like <laughs> that. Right. Because, yeah, because something you mentioned earlier, right. That, you know, not everybody, you know, has this, like skills, time, inclination, whatever. Totally. Right. But that was a huge contribution to the project. You know, that one message, right? Some, some, right. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's all you need to do. And, and this is what I see a lot. Like, as I said, like sometimes there's a lot of drama in GitHub or, or like on the internet at large. But generally, like my relationship with open source, like with like, you know, free software, those communities, like has been positive in that, in, in that sense. I feel, I feel this thread is actually representative of my life with free and open source software. Really, you know, if yeah. I, you know, if I fly out for a conference, I don't know, like whether it was like, like Fizzle International Free Software Forum that happened, like, you know, here in my neighborhood, like in, in Porto Alegre, Southern Brazil, every year where people from all over Latin America would fly here and, or, you know, or in Brussels at FOSDEM, you know, where the, like the European free software folks get together. Like, it's always generally positive like that, right? Like we see a lot of like sometimes the drama and gets... Uh, like over amplified on the internet, but when it comes to yeah. people meeting face to face, and I know that meeting meeting face to face is not something available to everybody, right? So we have to be mindful of that. We have to, you know, whenever we get the chance to meet people face to face, or even, you know, even like a, over, you know, a video call as I'm talking to you folks. So that's like a a way of having a, like a more personal connection. 
we have to carry that, you know, to our like online, like written communications and interactions. Like I, I feel that like I, I kind of have sort of a pet peeve with the whole code review culture and what it is because like I, I noticed like even the style of writing that people use when they're like doing code reviews is kind of different when they're like, you know, sending a message on Slack or something. And, and when I noticed that I decided to become like more like consciously informal, you know, and, and, and go like, like, hey, looks like something like this is missing, blah, 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 emoji, whatever. Like, but not in a forced way, but like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to this person the way I would talk to them in person, rather than, you know, this seems inappropriate, you know, at line 375. Right. Like, as yeah. if you're like the schoolmaster, you know, like you know, uh, grading someone's PR, like, you know, this is acceptable. No, this is unacceptable, right? So it's kind of mm. like, I, I think it boils down to this as well, you know, how we communicate, you know, how do we interact with people? It makes a difference. Right. So, so yeah. and as you said, like the way the conversation starts is the way the conversation flows. Right. And to that. Yeah, for sure. You know, that, that was super important. And I'm so grateful that that's that's the case here. You know, I, I think I mentioned it before. My takeaway is like, you know, leave a kindness in these scenarios. And because of that, you know, we can point back to this, you know, not as a hostile takeover, but as a kind takeover, you know, of this project. And we can all look back at this as an open source community and say, this was an example of things working out well and people being treated with respect and with empathy and having compassion. And rather than the drama that can sometimes ensue, because I think we forget that we are literally talking to other humans. It, it seems so logical, I suppose illogical potentially to think like that, but other humans, be authentic, talk to people with kindness and act as if they're there on the other line reading your words rather than just simply, I don't know, like a machine. I don't know. It's easier said than done sometimes, but that's my hope. This conversation and this example gives me hope that we have this opportunity in open source. But uh, Sean, thanks so much for one coming on the show and being open and honest and sharing your side of the story and all that it is. And even what this project meant to you, little rocks as well and your contribution to open source and being a person that can, you know, point back to doing things in a kind way and, and caring about actual people and showing up and whatnot. But uh, thank you so much, Sean, for this time you've shared with us. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you, folks, for, you know, for, for this space where we can talk about this. I know this has like a huge audience and, and you know, I hope this this conversation, you know, becomes like, you know, useful for, uh, for more people who are like perhaps in similar situations or really that we can, you know, spread this kindness, I guess, like, you know, and make sure that this is the norm, you know, and, and free and open source software and software in general, life in general, you know, like it's, it goes beyond software, right? Yep. That's right. Thanks, Ajahn. Yeah. Thank you. Fantastic work hanging in for the whole show. That means you are a super fan that means you're a prime candidate for being a change law plus plus member and if you haven't heard about this yet this is the membership we launched so that our awesome audience can directly support us get closer to the metal and make the asses appear on our podcasts check it out at changelaw.com slash plus plus and if that isn't cool enough the irony of this episode being 413 and the error code 413 standing for payload too large i don't know that's super cool once again, huge thanks to Tyler for being an awesome partner in this podcast series. Also, huge thanks to Fastly, Linode, and Rollbar for having our back. And of course, Breakmaster Cylinder 2 for making all those awesome beats for us. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>